everyone, welcome to the Outside Voice Studios podcast. Tonight in the studio, I have Gubby Beckenstein. She's an artist, an athlete, a welder, and a gorgeous young woman. Gubs, go ahead and say something to the people. How's it going, everybody? There we go. There we go. Um, so first, I wanted to go ahead and ask you about your background and uh, New York a little bit. Tell us where you came from. So I originally uh, grew up in New Jersey, actually, but it was, I mean, five minutes from New York, so not too far. Uh, my mother is South African, and my dad's Israeli. And uh, always growing up, we'd go visit South Africa and Israel, uh, depending on the holiday and visit. And uh, my culture, I mean, I used to even have a full-on South African accent. Now it's, it's kind of gone lost with a few words. Um, then moving to New York when I was about 10 years old, uh, it was about the same, but, you know, a different scene. New York's a little, you know, closer to the city. Um, going to college up in Plattsburgh was freezing. Uh, that was, you know, 20 minutes from Canada. That was up in the boonies and the woods and the mountains and, uh. So what college did you go to and what did you major in? Uh, it was called SUNY Plattsburgh, the State University of New York, of Plattsburgh. Nice. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, literally an hour from Montreal and freezing cold up there, but it was awesome. Uh, I got to learn a lot of different mediums. Uh, I started off going for graphic design, and I just didn't really like it being on the computer. I wanted to be more hands-on, and I took about four classes of that as well as other ones. I took printmaking uh, and drawing and painting. And then a year later, I started sculpture and I absolutely fell in love. Uh, the intro to sculpture, they make you do every medium. That's the like four basics. So they do steel, wood, bronze, and aluminum. So you do two actual metal pours and it's uh, you, you figure out what you actually want to work in. That's it. Yeah. That's sick. So, <clears throat> did you decide to start doing sculpture because of college, or when did you when, when did you create your uh, your first sculpture? Um, I mean, growing up, I used to always I was always creative. I used to always draw. I used to uh, create little things, like even on the wall with paper, I'd create like a whole world. Um, me and my little sister, we'd always draw and create little worlds on our walls and little people you know, walking through them, and that was I was probably like 10, 11. Uh, but, I mean, I did my first actual drawing that I know of because it's documented. It's framed in my mom's uh, bedroom. It's of an elephant when I was four years old, <laughs> and she absolutely loves it, so it's, a, you know, a nice little frame there. That's sick. But That's sculpture, sick. yeah, I mean, I really learned it more when I was in college. I was able to do ceramics, which I actually did before sculpture class. And I realized, I mean, I did even ceramics when I was younger. I did uh, clay classes and I used to do, my mom even still has in her garden all my little creatures and such. That's awesome. That's all. You said that uh, even though you don't like doing a whole lot of graphic design, you're working for a company right now doing a lot of graphic design. Uh, is that, you know, it's like a lot of artists, we end up, doing commissioned work just to pay the bills and then on the side you know so you're sculpting I'm doing personal paintings things like that uh that actually brings us some satisfaction at the end of the day 
So doing the graphic design work is definitely just a form of income over a uh, passion for you. Uh, I mean, definitely, because honestly, when I was doing it, even in college, I mean, I liked doing it, but just being in front of the computer was too much. And I feel like I've learned more now than I did in college because I'm actually on my own trying to teach myself to pay the bills, you know, because I have a few a few companies doing little graphics here and there and actually doing it now. I'm relearning everything. When I was in class, it was more criticism of what everyone else in the class liked. And it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't as... I don't know, sculpture class was a whole different world. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. really, I feel like school, you know? when it comes to school, you don't really have the freedom to create. You know, you're kind of directed in a certain, you know, onto well, a certain path with them. teachers. Yeah, it depends on the teacher, honestly, because, so yeah, my graphic design teacher, if I created anything that had some red in it, he didn't like red. So he just didn't like what I created. So because then, of his personal of bias. his personal, yeah. yeah. But then in sculpture, so after you do intro to sculpture, you were able to do any medium you wanted. So you didn't have to do wood, steel, aluminum, or bronze. You could do anything. You can take candy and make a sculpture. You can take clothing. Anything that you wanted, you can make a sculpture out of from in sculpture two and on. So I was able to mess around with so many different mediums and whatever I could really get a hold of. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, sculpture is sick. I um I really appreciate it. It's taking, you know, <clears throat> being a painter, seeing something come into 3D is uh it's pretty next level. I appreciate that a whole lot. Um so tell me a little bit about Venice and uh being an athlete for Venice Dynamics. Ooh. Oh man, all right. Well, so I lived in Venice for two and a half years and I absolutely loved living at the beach I was super close and I had a nice little community with a ton of teammates that all did calisthenics bar workouts that we all just taught each other and fed off each other our vibes energy the you know the weather everything had to do with whatever we were doing that day and um, I really learned a lot about you know my mind and my body just you know letting go and actually working hard at you know, seeing the difference, you know, each week from, you know, when you're working out. And I never really worked out. This was like my first, I just kind of stumbled upon, uh, you know, a few people at the beach and we started working out together. And I mean, it changed my life. I used to never really work out. It was always just art. And then the last two years has been, you know, a lot of work in a different way. It's been great. I mean, nice. Uh, t tell the listeners a little bit about boot camp and uh, your challenge day exercises and what those entail. So every Monday at uh, 12 noon, we meet at the Venice Beach Pit, which is it's a bar pit right behind Muscle Beach. Uh, you, you can't miss it. You know, it's right by the basketball courts. And uh, it's about a two to four hour, depending on what our coach uh, Raphael likes to do. And uh, we do an intense workout. It's reps on reps, basically, a lot of cardio and a lot of reps. And it's you're challenging yourself. You're really trying to do as much as you can. Even if you can't do the full what everyone else is doing, you do as much as you can. Each week you'll progress and get, you know, you'll get to that point. And then, well, then Raphael will add on some more reps, but it's okay because, you know, it keeps you going, keeps you on your toes. And then, I mean, boot camp's even different because boot camp's every... Wednesday and Friday at 
8 to 9 a.m. And it's a, a short but fast, high-intensity workout that you're on the beach in the sand running around uh, Venice, but you're really getting a great workout in. Yeah, this is no joke. I thought that I was in shape somewhat, and I went out there and absolutely lost my life on the beach. <laughs> so these guys, you know, they they really work out, and they dedicate themselves, and they commit to their body and their health on another level, um, while also bringing, like, a positive message to the community and Venice. You know, Venice has a lot of... Uh, a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of mixed feelings when it goes towards Venice. A lot of people see it as a dirty place and as like a wasteful place. Um, other people, you know, we've got Snapchat in there now. The, it's it's really taken off. But because of gentrification, there's so many different people kind of piled right into the same area that have to deal with each other. And you guys kind of take on anybody, you know, anybody that's trying to get into shape or better their life. You know, Roth will definitely take them through the ropes and run them for their life man yeah uh those guys are serious uh so much respect for what you got to do go ahead and give those guys a shout out let people know where they can follow uh venice dynamics and some of the key members uh so you can literally go to any instagram facebook twitter it's venice dynamics uh even the website www.venicedynamics.com uh you can also go to shore life which is the main guy it's Raphael. Uh, and I mean, anything's on the website every single he'll, every single day he'll post in the morning. He'll tell you what we're doing, uh, what the workout is, uh, and he'll give you a little inspirational quote, you know, to let you on your day. But uh, challenge day on Monday is free. And then um, Wednesday and Friday, eight to nine is five dollars, five dollar donation. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Raf is on top of it over there. You guys have a nice, um, it's a little business going. It's a business and a family, you know. Shout out to Spicy, Raf, BB, Jared, the whole crew. Yeah. Um, you, you've definitely got a good squad of people over there. I'm, I'm excited uh, to know those guys. So uh, even you guys have even st- uh, hosted your own bar jams and things like that, your own competitions where people come out and really throw down. Yeah, every... Every May we've been doing it, so well, two years now we've done it, and we have the best athletes that we can come out, and everyone competes, and we've had quite a few winners, and it's it's amazing to watch. It's an all-day event. There's reps and there's freestyle, uh, so it's really cool to see. I mean, there's always a crowd around the entire pit just watching, you know, throughout the day, seeing who, what's going on, like how good these guys can flip off the bar and such, so it's really awesome to see. Um, and I'm always proud of these guys, especially, you know, since I moved away <laughs> to see all, all of, I call them my lost boys, but uh, all my team members, basically uh, great guys. And they really put on a show. It's awesome. Yeah. Very nice. So being a female welder, you're one of the few out there. I would definitely say that that's a minority group of uh, craftsmen and craftswomen. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about welding and how did you, I know we talked about sculpture earlier, but how did you know that welding, putting steel to steel was something that you wanted to do and you had a passion for, uh, so how did you kind of fall in love with steel and what does your process look like whenever you're creating a sculpture? Uh, so in college we were, like I said earlier, we were able to, uh, try out all four main mediums and steel just for some reason was one that. I just found so fascinating the fact that you can, you know, have sparks and fire in front of you. Uh, It was just 
I mean, it's it's mesmerizing, honestly. So then when you're actually doing it, it's a thrill. Like, you're like, you could light yourself on fire. <laughs> you never know. You could burn yourself. You can, you know, it's it's a thrill while you're actually creating art. And you can do anything with rods and bars and sheets of steel and random objects that you find that are steel. You're you know? shaping an element. That's something that I think is really cool. Yeah. So, so what does your process look like whenever you decide to, you know, hit the shop, hit the studio to uh, go to work on a sculpture? How do you do that? Do you, where do you go to buy your steel? Do you have it all pre-cut? What's the, uh, what's the process look like? Well, so I first try and draw out some stuff because otherwise I'll go in wild. And I mean, I mean, that could be cool too, I guess. It depends on the day, honestly. But on a normal day, I'll try and draw out what I'm trying to do. Uh, sketch out a few things and see the areas that I'm trying to get into to know what kind of steel I'm trying to buy. And then the closest spot, which is really convenient to our new home, is three minutes down the road at Vagabond uh, Steel or Welding Supply. And they have like all sorts of sizes for me, so it's perfect and it's really affordable compared to what I used to pay for, honestly. Uh, so I'd always get, I get like, everything cut into five yards to fit in my or five feet sorry to fit in my mini cooper uh it's always i've been buying a lot of uh round stock which is just uh solid pipes in a way it's not hollow uh but it's an eighth by like 12 feet about is what i usually get about 10 of those and then i'll go to the shop i'll cut them up into i'll measure them out uh, for whatever I'm making. So if I'm making those new geometrics, I measure out uh, each angle and I'll try and mass produce as many as I can. Uh, I always mass produce a lot of pieces in one go. So I'll go one or two hours straight of just making pieces before I actually create anything. Just so I have all my pieces, even if they're random pieces, just so I can play with them afterwards. Because I have no idea even sometimes what I'm making. I'm just making some kind of piece, seeing what I can do with the metal, especially if it's new metal. Uh, for myself so I honestly I play with the material and see what I can get sometimes I don't even draw it out I'll just play with it and create some shapes with the space nice. you know yeah nice so who are your inspirations or where do you draw your inspiration from well it's funny for recently it's been a little different than what I usually respond to it's always my whole life has been Salvador Dali with his clocks the persistence of memory painting that he did um, has always been a reflection in my work. I've always added clocks. Somehow I've created a, a clock man creature that I've always added into my prints and my drawings. Um, and I always try and create clocks in general for some reason, even the, the roundness or the numbers, the arrows, something that involves with one of those, they're usually in my pieces. Uh, and growing up, it used to be uh, Dr. Seuss, and all of his imaginary worlds, which people have told me some of my sketches look like Dr. Seuss in that realm. Uh, and then also, I'd have to say, a little bit of M.C. Escher. His sketches have always been, because he has these three-dimensional drawings, so it's it's almost like sculptures, but flat. It's, it's crazy to look at if you haven't seen any. Look at M.C. Escher. Uh, and then, of course, my favorites was the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. As a child, um, I'd always watch it when I'd go see my dad. And those images of the 
the trippy psychedelic worlds have always influenced my work, even both with sculpture and and flat work. Uh, that and I guess Betty Boop. Betty Boop's always a little, <laughs> always a little add on there. Because I mean, honestly, though, a lot of people don't know actual Betty Boop. They just know her as that flat little cute thing. But uh, <laughs> they actually have uh, a really awesome TV show. It was old. It was from like the twenties. Max Fleischer drew uh, all of his, all of Betty Boop and uh, all of those trippy worlds of imaginary things coming to life it's really that's definitely connected to my my artwork that's awesome i can definitely see all of those things in your work that's that's great um betty boom she's hot you know shout out to betty boom yeah that was my halloween costume my junior year of college there we go <laughs> uh so you talked about Clockman. he's one of my favorite pieces that you've created but he's not welded he's a mold in fact correct yep yeah, I actually, I made a wax mold of him. And then what you do with the wax mold, you dip it in a thing called investment. It looks like plaster, uh, but it's a little thicker and you have to mix it a lot and you dip it so it's super thick. Like it's like 10 times the size of what it was as wax. And then you melt out the wax and then you have a bronze pour, which you need multiple people for. It's heavy and it's dangerous you need you know you need to know what you're doing because um, it's it's almost like hot liquid magma <laughs> in a way you know it's very hot you know if you pour it on the floor everyone's feet will get melted uh, but yeah you pour the bronze into the mold and then you um, you wait for it to dry you harden it out crank it out because you have to get all that investment off you have to basically hit it with a hammer and hit it out and then try and get all the investment out until you have your little bronze man yeah so that's awesome mm -hmm. yeah clock man he's definitely an icon i'm excited to see you do more with him i know you've got a stencil that you use sometimes that you paint mm -hmm. with that's pretty sweet yeah. also oh yeah i was actually <clears throat> just in la yesterday and i saw it on my friend's skateboard that i <laughs> i did a while back and it made me really happy <laughs> That's awesome. So what are you working on now? Do you have any projects going on? I know you've been doing a lot of wall sculptures. You've been selling sculptures left and right, all kinds of stuff. Go ahead and tell the people about that and also how they can buy some of your work. Uh, so, yeah, I've been making a lot of geometric sculptures for wall art. Um, I've been doing a lot of triangles and eyes and uh, actually, my newest series is my African dolls. I've brought back uh, something that I grew up with. Uh, whenever I was little, going to South Africa, I'd buy these African dolls with my mom. We have a little collection, and they're beaded, and they have some kind of fabric, and they're just, I mean, they're wonderful to look at. I mean, I have them all over my room at home. <laughs> so I decided to start making steel ones, you know, with my own little twists, and as as flat wall sculptures and using washers, trying to use other materials, just not just the steel. Actually, the washers are zinc. So it's actually, it's funny when I weld them because they don't actually want to weld together. I force them. But Nice. <laughs> nice. So you ship and everything? You, you, you pack and ship? Yeah, yeah. I ship everything just in a box. It's super easy to ship. So it's worldwide. Um, and I actually have a website that's pretty new. Uh, it's www.gubbybeck.com. And if you don't know how to spell my name, that's G-U-B-B-Y-B-E-C-K dot 
C-O-M.com. <laughs> okay, so go ahead and tell the people why they, uh, there was such um, emphasis on the spelling of your name. Yeah, well, so growing up, my family always called me Gubby. My full name's Gabrielle, uh, spelled G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E. And people would always then call me Gabby, even though my family called me Gubby, which was spelled G-A-B-Y. They spelled Gubby, G-A-B-Y. <laughs> so then eventually I started letting people call me Gabby because they were trying to call me Gumby. Because being little, and actually I loved Gumby, it was one of my favorite shows, but they started you know, making fun of me saying, oh, it's Gumby, and I didn't like it. So uh, <laughs> I guess instead of embracing Gumby, I let them call me Gabby, and it was a few years later that then... Um, you know, I started didn't like it, but I was like not really sure what was going on. I was like, ah, oh, I mean, they're calling me Gabby. My whole family's still calling me Gubby. It's whatever. I mean, I'll go with it. And eventually in college, I was like, all right, enough's enough. Uh, so I changed the, my spelling to G-U-B-B-Y so Americans can properly pronounce it because it's both sides. My South African side with their accent, it says Gubby, and then in, also the Hebrew, in Hebrew the Israeli, yep, yeah. exactly. In Hebrew, it's Gubby. That's just how you pronounce my Hebrew name. So it's yeah, it's both sides. That's just how my my name should be. My mom still spells it G A B Y, uh, but I I prefer it G U B B Y, so everyone can pronounce it, and I feel better about it. <laughs> there we go. So it's Gubby. Nobody messed that up. <laughs> you better get it right, or she'll come beat you up. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, check no, it no, out. No, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have uh, my Instagram though. Is just uh, Gubby Beck for my art. Uh, that's mostly just my art, and then I have my. Uh, adventures and calisthenic journey through Gubby Bear, which is G U B B Y B E A R R. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, I won't take up any more of your time. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. It's been a pleasure. Uh, glad to add some girl power to the show. We definitely <laughs> needed it. And uh, females are badasses too. So shout out to all the badass women out there doing their thing. We're uh, very proud of you. Yeah. All right, guys. So uh, that's an episode of OVS Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check it out. Peace.